Well, turn with, with me, if you would, to Proverbs. We are going to begin in Proverbs 22, verse 15. And as we look at spanking, spanking is both ineffective and harmful. It is harmful emotionally to both parents and children and should be redefined as child abuse. The informed debate about spanking is over. It's been resolved. The practice is a relic from the past and should stay there. When parents finally give up spanking, they will give up a violent habit that is ineffective, risky, and immoral. That is the psychologist's consensus on spanking. Sorry to scare you. It's also the societal consensus because acceptance of spanking is dwindling fast. In 1993, it was low. 50% of parents um, admitted to spanking their children. That has grown. In 2017, it had gone down to 35, and it is gradually dropping since because many parents today view their kids as their friends, and they recoil at the idea of administering discipline, especially corporal punishment. It's foreign to them. So it's the psychologist consensus, it's the societal consensus, and it is also the medical consensus. And what some see as the coup de grace to the rod, it is not recommended by doctors. According to a 2018 survey of pediatricians, only 6% of doctors endorsed spanking. Only 6% of pediatricians. Now what I think is funny is there's 6% that endorse it, but only 2.5% anticipate outcomes of pos- that are positive from doing it. So 6% endorse it, but only 25 think it's going to be positive. So there's 3.5% in there that are doing it for some other reason. I don't know why. <laughs> um, now these psychologists must be really smart. Our society must be super advanced, and the pediatricians extremely wise because they all claim to know more about this subject than God does. Spanking is not man's idea. If it was man's idea, then we could let it die away as we become more enlightened. But it's not their idea, it is God's idea. It's God's idea on how we correct our children. They claim that the rod is folly. They claim that the parent that rejects it is wise. However, the the Bible claims that the rod imparts wisdom and it drives out folly. They claim that kids are better behaved, more emotionally stable, and more self-controlled when the practice is ended. However, the Bible says that discipline that includes the rod of correction is what yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So the world around us is growing more and more hostile to the idea of spanking. And they associate it with anger, frustration, impatience, vindictiveness, and abuse. Which if that's your view of it, if that's your exposure to it, then I can understand their aversion. But spanking done biblically doesn't lead to those things. Spanking done unbiblically is not helpful, but rather harmful. So to spank or not to spank? Do we follow worldly advice or do we follow what Scripture says? If we decide to spank, how do we do that in a way that both honors God and is fruitful for our kids? We all love our kids. We want them to grow in maturity. We want them to grow in wisdom. But what's the best way to nurture that growth? Well, thankfully, the Bible is not silent on this issue. The book of Proverbs provides wisdom, answers, and instructions. Proverbs is a book of wisdom that compiles wise sayings, mainly from King Solomon. They are simple moral statements that highlight 
and teach a fundamental reality of life. They are sayings, they are truisms, but they are not binding promises for us. And one of the major themes of Proverbs is that of raising children. Instructions explaining how parents instruct, teach, admonish, and discipline their kids. Discipline is featured throughout the book of Proverbs, and the need to administer the rod is a key tool described in the book for how we do that, how we best discipline our kids. And tonight we're going to see that the book of Proverbs gives five principles of the rod so that you can help your children grow in the wisdom of the Lord. We're going to see five principles of the rod so that you can help your children grow in the wisdom of the Lord. Because God graciously gives parents information that we need to lovingly raise our kids in the training and admonition of the Lord and spanking your children is an act of faith and trust in God's word. So our first, pr- first principle is found here in Proverbs 22.15, and it is the reason for the rod. The reason for the rod is the foolishness in the heart of your child. Proverbs 22.15 says, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. So why do we spank our kids? It's because foolishness is bound up in their heart. So foolishness, your version might say folly, doesn't mean childishness. Childishness can be inconvenient, but that's not what we're talking about. You don't spank for childishness. This is talking about sinful behavior. It actually means no fear of God. And foolishness, foolish rebellion is tied into the heart of your child. John Kitchen describes it this way. He said it describes a hardened case of moral stubbornness and stupidity. It echoes what Jeremiah 17.9 says. That verse says, The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That, my friends, is the nature of our problem. As a result of the fall, our kids are thoroughly corrupt in total. Your kids, your children are not ethically moral. They're not ethically neutral. Your child's fundamental problem is not a lack of knowledge. If it was a lack of knowledge, then a good heart-to-heart would do the trick. You could give them some education and solve the problem. But they don't need merely instruction. Of course, instruction is a large part of it, but they don't need merely instruction. They need discipline. J.C. Ryle says this, and I quote, Remember, children are born with a decided bias toward evil. Therefore, if you let them choose for themselves, they are certain to choose wrong. There's one thing that a mother can say for certainty. She can say that he, meaning her child, he will have a corrupt, sinful heart. It is natural for us to do wrong. Our hearts are like the earth on which we tread. Let it alone, and it is sure to bear weeds. And this foolishness is not just a a small part or a little portion of your child's heart, but it is bound up in the heart of a child. It's inextricably tied. It's part of the very fabric of them it is dyed in the wall wool there's something wrong god says with the hearts of our children and it is sinful rejection of authority and an, and a lack of fear of god now this is a stark contrast to the way the world views our kids it views people in particular but in people but children in particular they see them as no, naturally good or at worst morally neutral 
misdiagnosing the problem, they prescribe the wrong cure. They decide that they're going to reinforce the good nature of kids, and they're going to prescribe positive reinforcement. They're going to prescribe bolstering self-esteem. But that mindset and that action doesn't get to the heart of the problem, which is sin. The Bible says that children are born sinners. Proverbs 51.5, David said, Behold, I was brought forth, I was born into iniquity. I was born a sinner. So stubborn folly is bound up in the heart of our children, and it is impossible for them to remove it on their own. And so God gave them you to train them. And the rod of discipline is the instrument prescribed to do just that. Now the rod, the word rod means a stick, a rod, or a cane. It's used in Proverbs as a literal instrument to spank your kids, and it's also used as a metaphor for discipline. So this is not the only tool at your, your disposal to discipline your kids, but when your children are young, it should be the primary means that you use to discipline them. It's an invaluable tool given by God. What is the rod? Listen to this from Ted Tripp. Very good explanation here. Ted Tripp says, The rod is a parent in faith toward God and faithfulness towards his or her children, undertaking the responsibility of careful, timely, measured, and controlled use of physical punishment to underscore the importance of obeying God, thus rescuing the child from continuing in his foolishness until death. That's an excellent quote. The rod, correctly administered, opens the ears of your child to hear the instruction, opens the heart of your child so that foolishness can be removed. And notice that this is the rod of discipline. Discipline means correction or training. The heart behind the rod is loving correction. The rod brings an immediate tactile response to foolish rebellion. It connects folly, it connects sin with pain and helps remove the foolishness from their heart. So the nature of the problem, the reason for the rod, is that foolishness is bound up in the heart of your child. Now driving out folly is good, but that's not all that the, the rod does because the Bible says that it also has a benefit of giving wisdom. The benefit of the rod is that it gives wisdom. We see this in Proverbs 29.15. Proverbs 29.15 says that the rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. Now our goal is the same that is, is, is described by Luke in the Gospel of Luke of Jesus as he was um, growing up. It's, it describes him as growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. But children don't just naturally pick up wisdom and obedient living on their own. But the gift or the benefit of discipline administered correctly is wisdom wisdom is skill in matters of life and it's the goal of us as parents to raise wise children your your kids know how to be foolish they know how to be sinful our job is to train them to be wise adults and we use the rod to do that but notice that it's the rod and reproof that give wisdom many objections to spanking are built on an unbiblical model of spanking with the idea that parents are wordlessly rushing in, spanking their kids, towering over them in anger, and then stomping out. 
That's the description. Uh, One university child development center said this. Seldom are spankings followed by instruction on what the child needs to do or stop doing. It generally is nothing more than a release of the parent's frustration directed towards the child. Again, if that's how we're spanking, then they're right. That's sinning against your kids. It's wrong and it's unhelpful. But that's not the biblical model of spanking. That's not how you administer the rod in a biblical way. We're not to punish the wrong without explaining the right. It's the rod and reproof that gives wisdom. It's never merely physical. There's always a verbal element to it as well. Reproof means to set right. It's a verbal reprimand that brings life. It's very important that we explain the wrong behavior and walk them through the correct behavior. Following disobedience of a clearly communicated instruction, the rod is used alongside a verbal reprimand that explains the sinful behavior and admonishes obedience next time. And that will help ensure that the child doesn't stay ignorant. It will help ensure that the child isn't left on their own or left to get their own way. Because our proverb says that the child that gets his own way brings shame to his mother. This term gets his own way is used in scripture for a flock that's left on its own. A negligent shepherd that leaves its flock out to wander on its own not only destroys the flock, but it brings shame on the shepherd for neglecting their duty. That's the idea here. In the same way, a child left to his own will destroy himself in his foolishness and bring shame to their parents. So this is a simple contrast. Discipline leads to wisdom. Neglect leads to shame. So the reason for the rod is that foolishness is tied up in the heart of our child. The benefits of the rod are that it imparts wisdom. And next, in Proverbs 13, 24, we see the motivation for the rod, which is love. The motivation for the rod, which is love. One of the main reasons that parents give for not spanking their kids is that I love my child too much to hit him. I love him too much to spank him. And honestly, that objection is easy to understand. I mean, I don't want to cause my child discomfort. Nobody likes doing that. One of the most difficult things that Beth and I have to do as parents is to lovingly spank our kids. You love them too much. to You don't want them to, to be in pain. You don't want them to be foolish and to do the things required of that. But Proverbs 13, 24 says that he who withholds the rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him diligently. So withholding corporal punishment is not a sign of advanced learning, advanced wisdom, or greater love for your child. Far from it. It proves that a parent hates his son. Now the contrast here is intentionally strong. It's not as if withholding spanking, it doesn't mean that you hate them in an emotional sense. It's not as if you feel revulsion towards them or you have enmity towards your kids. Rather, it's a sign that you love something else more. Even though you know how important it is, even though you know how essential it is to the growth of your child, you are willing to damage your child, to stunt their growth, to keep the folly that will lead them to hell bound up in the heart of them to make yourself more comfortable. Again, Ted Tripp asks, who benefits if you don't spank your kids? Surely not the child. Scripture makes it clear that such failure places the child at risk. So who benefits? 
You do, he says. You are delivered from the agony of causing discomfort, delivered from the inconvenience, and delivered from the loss of time that biblical discipline requires. Ultimately, it's a sign that you love yourself more than your child. You want what you want rather than being obedient to God and faithfully doing what's best for your children. Another objection is that spanking is cruel. Folks, the exact opposite is true. Spanking is not cruel. It's an expression of a parent's love for their children in the same way that God disciplines the children that he loves. You see this in Hebrews 12, 5 to 6, which says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. The sign that you are loved by God is that he takes the time and he cares enough to discipline you. The true signal that parents love their kids is that they take the time to do the painful work of discipline, which includes verbal instruction, correction, reproof, and it also includes the action of discipline, which is the rod. And you'll see there that the loving father disciplines diligently. This word means to seek something out earnestly. This is not a father that is overlooking offenses and sins. He's seeking them out. He knows the reason for the rod is the folly in their heart. He knows the benefits of the rod, which is that it imparts wisdom to their child. Motivated by love, he seeks them out consistently, takes the time to discipline them diligently. We also know, he also knows that to leave a fool as a fool leaves them in danger. And that is the, the focus of the next point here in Proverbs 23, 13 to 14, where we see the urgency of the rod. This says, do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. So Solomon says here, here do not hold back discipline. Do not hold back the rod. Okay, the grammar here expresses an immediate negation. He says, stop withholding it now. The Lord knows this will be a temptation for us. And this is an, a, a direct address to you as the parent. Stop neglecting the rod. In fact, the pronoun you is pushed forward in the clause to emphasize this as a command. So if you are not convinced or persuaded by the motivation and the benefits and the reasons given in Scripture, now you are obligated by a command from God to correctly administer discipline on your children. Now this urgency is twofold. First, you can only do this while your children are young. Now if, if, you, uh, if we set up some molds here um, to pour some concrete, right? If you've ever done that, which I've seen it done, haven't done it, you set up the molds for the concrete, right? And then you pour the concrete in. You only have so much time to flatten that out, make sure it's where you want it, make sure it's fitted into those molds before what happens. It's set, and it's there, and it's not going anywhere. There's only so much time that we have to spank their, our kids until the opportunity is lost. And trust me, when your kids get older, and you can no longer spank them, you realize how much better it is to be able to administer a quick and very effective tactile sting on their behind 
reconcile quickly and then move on about your day, having done everything that you need to bring them back into the fold of the family. This is a blessing. So make hay while the sun is shining. It's effective, but there's only so much time. There's urgency here because our children will soon be grown. Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. There will come a time when your discipline is no longer effective. And if you've neglected your duty, you will leave him to what Proverbs describes as the fate of the fool, and that is death. And that's the second reason for our urgency here. We are, it is urgent because there's great consequences to neglect. It can mean an early grave or, worse yet, spiritual death. Sheol can mean a place of a dead body, and it can also mean spiritual death. And I think Solomon intends both here when he says Sheol. We see this concept of, of a physical death in Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 about rescuing your children from this. Paul, quoting the fifth commandment, says, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Obedient children live wise lives and they don't make the same foolish errors that, uh, that foolish children do. So Solomon put it this way, although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You will strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. In other words, he, the, he'll survive the spanking. He might not, you might not think he's going to as he's crying and whimpering about it, but he will. He'll survive the spanking, but he may not survive your neglect if you fail to drive the foolishness from his heart. The rod teaches outcomes to behavior. It teaches that the child is going to reap what they sow. For example, um, if you train your child not to touch the electrical outlet when they're young, chances are that they will, the first thing that they're going to want to do is walk up to that electrical outlet and they'll look at you and then they'll look at the outlet, then they'll look at you and then they'll touch it, right? It's typically what happens. Now you can let that go as a cute thing or you can quickly administer a sting to their behind and let them understand that disobedience leads to pain and then they won't do it again. Or you can let it go and they could perhaps pay the ultimate price of their foolishness later on. So there is urgency because the rod imparts wisdom and can save from an early grave. But there's also urgency, and this is more important, there's also urgency because it can save your children from spiritual death. Spanking and the soft-heartedness that comes afterwards are golden, God-given opportunities for the gospel, given on a plate for you. So as we said, Sheol can mean grave, but it can also mean a place of no return, darkness, torment, a place reserved for the wicked. It's basically the Old Testament equivalent to hell. If you have a, new, if you have a King James, it says, Thou shalt beat him with a rod, and thou shalt deliver his soul from hell. The truth is that the sin bound up in your child's heart is leading them down the broad road to destruction. Proverbs is clear about the fate of the fool. The fool, it is the fool that suffers harm. It's the fool that comes to ruin. It's the fool that says there is no God. It's the fool and his complacency that will destroy him. So we as parents are on a rescue mission to drive the sinful folly and rebellion out of our 
children's hearts and rescue their soul from spiritual death. And the rod of correction is a valuable tool, a key role in that mission. So there is a behavioral element here. You want your kids to realize that obedience leads to blessing. But again, more important is bringing them face to face with their sin, bringing them face to face that they have sinned against God, face to face with the ultimate consequence of that, and face to face with God's loving provision of the solving of that problem, and that is Christ. So last here is the ad, um, administration of the rod. Twice in verses 13 and 14, it says, you shall strike him with the rod. Multiple times that we've been talking up, I've been talking up here, we've talked about the blessings of the rod and that administered correctly, it, it removes folly and it imparts wisdom. Okay? But again, it must be administered correctly. Administered in the manner that we do this is very important. If we do it wrong, it can have a detrimental effect. And if you look at reasons that folks don't spank their kids, typically it's because they had this modeled incorrectly. And they don't want that for their kids. And it's understandable. If we're not training how to do this, it makes it difficult for us to do it well. So those people say things like, I don't spank because it doesn't work, expecting an immediate response. I don't spank because I'm afraid that my kids will be scared of me. I don't spank because I'm afraid I will injure them or I'm afraid that I will teach them to hit. Again, all valid concerns, but if we administer correctly, if we do this in a biblical way, those are eliminated. And rather, we see the fruit that Scripture says will be brought from spanking our kids. So it's very important that we do this correctly and in a biblical way. So we're to strike them, but how do we do that? How do we do that so that, so that it's fruitful and avoid the negative results? Well, here are a few things to keep in mind. Now, these are a suggested model of wise gospel-centered parenting, right? A suggested model for wise gospel-centered spanking. Okay, I'm wording that specifically because the Bible doesn't give us all the details. But as with all other aspects of parenting, we implement biblical truth, we implement the, word, the uh, fruits of the Spirit, we implement the fact that our lives are controlled by a loving God, and uh, the love that we have for Christ flows out of us and it helps this exercise be a fruitful experience. So following these guidelines should help us keep this as a gospel-centered practice. So first, as we look to correctly administer the rod, is with a correct temperament. And that means never in anger. Proverbs 29:11 says, Fools give vent to their rage but the wise bring calm in the end. James 1.20 says, man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. So your anger, and when you're spanking your kids, will muddy the water of your discipline. So ask yourself before you go in to spank your kids, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I'm inconvenienced? Or am I doing this because I want to connect the heart of my child with the fact that they have sinned against God. Okay? Don't look at this as your child's disobedience against you, as an affront to you. Your authority comes from God. It's God that they have ultimately sinned against. You need to make that connection. But how are you going to do that if you squandered the opportunity by sinning against them because you're angry? You've lost your self-control. 
So never spank them when you are angry. Take the time to set your mind on things above. Pray before you go in there to spank your child, that it would be fruitful. Because when you lash out, you lose the benefits of wisdom. You lose the benefits of, of, of giving the gospel. And in place of it, you're, you're modeling the fool that you're trying to drive out. You're being a hypocrite. And when you're angry, you're not self-controlled. And that's our next point. You need to have correct control. Uh, Proverbs puts a great stock in being self-controlled. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. The opposite is true, however, as well. Proverbs 25.18 says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Self-control is the mark of a mature person. So don't lose yours. Stay calm. Remember, you want to return this child to a place of calm and submission and softness as soon as possible after you've spanked them. When you are controlled, this puts your children at ease. You don't want them frightened of you. You want them to feel the sting and then run to you so you can quickly embrace them. So remain controlled. We need to have the correct temperament, the correct control. We need to make sure that we're doing this at the correct age. And that is when they're old enough to know that they're disobeying. When they're old enough to connect the pain that you give them with the reason. Connect the pain with the disobedience. And it's probably younger than you think. I imagine you either brag in your heart about how smart your kids are or you actually tell people, my, my kid is just super smart. Well, there you go. He's smarter than you think. He's got it figured out. He knows why he's disobeying and what he's doing. So, do that when they can connect the pain that you give them with the sin that they have committed. And then you have to stop when your kids get old enough that it's no longer fruitful. Now, the primary way of disciplining younger kids is the rod. It's spanking, but that changes as you get older, as they get older. And this is going to be different with every child. I mean, for us, for Beth and I, it was when the only real result that we were getting was embarrassment and resentment. It's when we knew it was time that there, there, that softness was gone. That time, that intimate time that we had afterwards never came consistently. We knew that it was our kids were just getting too old. It's going to be different for you. It's going to be different from every ch- with every child. So you need to have the correct age. You need to have cor- the correct offense. We talked about this earlier. You're spanking for sinful behavior, not childish behavior. So spilling the milk is an inconvenience. That's not a sin. But if you've given your children specific instructions, they are not to open the fridge. They are not to get the milk off the top shelf. And they open the fridge and they pull the milk down on top of them sm- themselves, spilling it. That's a different story. That is disobedience. So make sure that they're old enough to obey the instruction that you gave them, that they understand it, and that they fully comprehend the instructions that you're giving. So you're spanking for sinful behavior, not childishness. So we have the correct offense. We next have the correct consistency. So we looked at at the fact that the, the father that loves his child disciplines him diligently, and we saw that That means to seek out or to seize the opportunity. But it also carries the idea of being consistent. Okay, you should have spanking offenses. You can call them what you want, spanking sins that your children know about. Things like lying, willful disobedience, destructive behavior. 
And disobedience means all the way, the right way, with a good attitude. And if they're not doing that, if they decide to disobey those rules that they know in your household, you need to have a consistent way that you deal with them, with those things. This will give security and comfort to your child. They will know what to expect every time. Okay, this will also help them with their temptations. They know that every time they do these things, there's a consequence. It doesn't matter dad's mood. If you, if you are tossed to and fro by your mood on how you deal with your kids, how you discipline them, your children will begin to think, well, dad's in a good mood. I bet I can do this and get away with it today. Your mood has nothing to do with it. You're an ambassador of Christ, drawing that kid to face his sin, know he needs a savior, and bring him to Christ. So we need to make sure that we are consistent with how we deal with these problems. Correct consistency next is correct judgment. It's very important that we get it right before we discipline. Okay, was this willful disobedience of a clearly communicated instruction or were you vague with your um, instruction? Okay, so give specific instructions and make sure that there's a measurable obedience. So, for example, if you told your four-year-old, okay, it's time to calm down, your version of calm down and his version of calm down are different, right? He might have been wrestling, and to him he stopped wrestling, but now he's going to run and play tag. He's calmer than he was, so calm down is a vague command. Instead, think about saying, no more running. It's time for you to sit down with a book and read. Now you have a measurable obedience. If he doesn't stop running, he doesn't sit down, he doesn't get a book and read, you know he's disobeying. So we need to have the correct judgment, which includes, as Proverbs 18.13 says, he who gives an answer before he hears is folly, it is folly and shame to him. You need to make sure you are 100% correct before you administer dis, uh, spanking to your kids. And to be honest with you, for Beth and I, lying is particularly hard to judge. Um, and if the way we've decided to handle that, if there is a reasonable doubt, let it go. Pray for another opportunity. And I guarantee you, there will be another opportunity. And when you are 100% sure, take advantage of that opportunity. But make sure you're right. Make sure you have the correct judgment when you spank your kids. Next, we need the correct instrument. As we seek wise, gospel-centered spanking, we need the correct instrument. And the Bible prescribes the rod, which again is a stick, a rod, or a cane. So it's something, it, there's different opinions on this, but it's something other than a hand. Okay, now why would that be better? Well, one thing, it's more effective to the goal. The goal is to sting the goal is that it would hurt and be painful. That's the whole reason you're doing this. Okay, a, a, a proper instrument is going to administer the proper amount of pain with the right amount of force. But it also forces you to be thoughtful and patient before you do it. If you have to go get that instrument, that gives you time to calm down. It doesn't help for you to just impatiently swat the behind of your child. That's not really what we're going for here. So... We have found that the best instruments are, I mean, we use a wooden spoon, a, a thick wooden spoon that's thin, not a blunt instrument. Um, we've also used a paddle ball paddle. That's typically what we have used. The, the things that you can paddle, you know, with the, the ball, like maybe two or three times, so it's basically worthless. You can't really do it more than that. 
But it's really good as a spanking instrument. So take the ball off, take the string off, take the staple out, <laughs> and then use that. What's good about that is it has a large surface area. It stings, but it's not going to leave a mark. You don't want to leave a lasting mark. You don't want to bruise or, or hurt the child. That's not what we're after here. So we need the correct instrument. But as your kids get older, that might not be enough either. So you're going to have to use your own discernment on that. So we need the correct instrument. And we also need the correct location. Okay, so this is twofold. The correct location on the body is the rear end. And the correct location of where this is taking place. It needs to be a private location. Okay, perhaps the bathroom or the bedroom. Not a public place. Okay, you never want to humiliate your kids while you're spanking them. You don't want to do this in front of other people, really not even other siblings. This should be a private act between you as the parent and them as the child. Next, we have the correct communication. Correct communication. Do you know why I'm spanking you? Make sure that they understand what's going on. Talk to them before. Do you understand why I'm spanking you? Yeah, because I lied because I disobeyed. That's right. And every time you lie, you deserve to be spanked. God hates lying. My job as your dad is to make sure that you don't do what God hates. It will destroy your life. And then explain how many swats they're going to get. And then stick to that number. Again, you're self-controlled. You're in calm. You're in calm mode. Okay? Explain how many swats they're going to get and stick to that number. And if it would, uh, at, at any point they res refuse to assume the position, which for us is both hands on the bed or both hands on the, the bathroom counter, you don't want them blocking the stroke. That can hurt. If they don't assume the position, then you say you must obey now. If you obey now, you're getting three swats. If you don't, you're going to get five. They'll figure it out pretty quick. Three is better than five. It only takes one time. And that leads to the next point, which is correct force. Okay, the point again is that it hurts. The point is that there is a sting associated with this. Okay, so two or three good swats is better than 15 worthless ones. I mean, it's over quicker. It's more effective. It stings in the moment. You want the pain to be gone. You don't want it to linger. Um, another thing to think about here is whether or not to spank over diapers. I don't, we've never done that, spanking over diapers. A half-hearted swat over a padded diaper isn't effective at all. I mean, that doesn't even hurt, right? And the amount of force that you need to swat your, with your hand on a diaper can actually cause damage. Okay, so if you're not going to take the diaper off, there's the fat part of the leg there that will work just fine, okay? So make sure you're using the correct force. You want this to hurt. We want it to sting. We don't want it to bruise or cause lasting damage obviously. Okay, and lastly is the correct follow-up. And this is vitally important. Reconcile and converse with your children afterwards. Wait for your children to calm down, which shouldn't take more than a couple minutes. If they're throwing a fit, that's not right either, okay? But wait for them to calm down, and then, I mean, you will have some of the most soft, fruitful, soft-hearted conversations that you will ever have. That's how Beth and I have, have, have seen this. The most soft-hearted conversations, the most gospel-centered conversations that we've had is after spanking them. Because the rescue mission isn't complete until you've connected the sin with the heart. You have to connect the sin that they've done with the heart. 
So do you understand why you were spanked? You were spanked because your heart is inclined towards sin, son. You are inclined to rebel against God. And the most important job that God has given me as your father is to turn you from sin and to Christ. You are a sinner who needs Jesus, just like I am a sinner who needs Jesus. Christ has forgiven me all my sins. You must repent. You must believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And this sin is forgiven. All of your sins can be forgiven if you trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he will forgive you. And just like he has forgiven me, I am happy to forgive you. And you can hug them. You can hold them. You should pray with them. And this is going to take time. You might be thinking, man, this is a lot of time. Yeah, you're right. Welcome to faithful, gospel-centered parenting. It's going to take time. And if they've sinned against somebody else, then they should go to them and they should reconcile with them. If they have disobeyed, they didn't pick up their toys, or they didn't make their bed like you specifically asked them to do, walk them to that place after you've reconciled. Make sure that they complete the assignment and then it's completely over. You've reconciled. You don't hold it against them. You rejoin the family and begin to do whatever it is that you were doing before. It's, it's over. And that's the beauty of this form of discipline is that it doesn't linger. It's over. You've reconciled and you move on. So spanking is an exercise of faith. It's an exercise of faith. As a parent, the words of Joshua 24, 15 are constantly being paraphrased through my mind, frequently. Choose for yourself whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Parents, you're going to have to choose for your house how you're going to raise your kids. Are you going to do this according to the biblical model? According to biblical wisdom or according to worldly wisdom? Because the Bible truly has the answers. It has the answers. The book of Proverbs gives instructions to us as parents on how to best discipline our kids. Our responsibility is to be faithful to those instructions. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have not been silent um, to us on how we are to properly discipline our kids. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you discipline us. Lord, we thank you that you have provided a way for us to be forgiven. Lord, we pray that as we interact with our kids, Lord, as we, we seek to faithfully implement these things in our households, Lord, I pray that we would do it in a way that honors you, Lord, that, that brings your gospel to the forefront. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray for wisdom in how we do this and how we implement these, these things. In Jesus' name, amen.